Wellness Pie Shop, where each episode we delve into a different slice of wellness in hopes of nourishing ourselves. With the help of special guests and a little of our own irreverent insight, we'll dive into some of the ingredients that make up the whole of Wellness Pie. We're your hosts, Dina Searden. And I'm Rachel Paez. Thanks for joining us. Now, grab a cup of tea, sit back, relax, and enjoy a piece of Wellness Pie. Well, this is very exciting. Welcome to our very first episode. Today, we thought we'd start with who we are and what this podcast is going to be about. So Rachel, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm Rachel. I start with that. My name is Rachel Brodsky Paez. I just recently got married and uh, I have a very big attachment to my family name, which is Brodsky. So I didn't get rid of it. And I became Rachel Brodsky Paez. Um, I'm 27. I founded a nonprofit about two years ago where I offer um, nature-based and holistic-based programs to a variety of populations. And my story to getting to that point is long, so I won't say it all, but um, I've never been a fairly conventional person, have not followed the path um, followed the path of the most resistance, definitely not the least resistance, and hit a lot of bumps along the way. He's really struggled um, as a teenager into my early 20s. Um, my early 20s, I kind of experienced my first major loss. Um, unfortunately, it came in threes. So I lost some really important people all within the same year. And I look at that as the pivotal moment where I got my shit together. And, um, yeah, ever since, ever since that kind of shifted my mindset and shifted to feeling worthy of success and love and all the things that I could dream of, uh, the universe has been kind and given me all of those things. And now I live on a farm with 20 animals and my wonderful husband who lets me have 20 animals. And those animals include a dog, uh, two special needs cats, two regular cats, uh, three chickens, five ducks, a donkey, a mini, and five horses, full-size horses. Um, I love the work that I do. I love that life has brought me to this point. I'm excited to be surrounded by incredible women, just like Dina. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be on this podcast and talk about some really amazing things that I think are both challenging as well as developmentally important. And I'm excited for this journey with you. Okay. And I'm Dina. And I am a licensed clinical social worker. I'm old enough to be Rachel's mom, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> and uh, I have three young kids. I've got seven-year-old twins and a nine-year-old. And right now during COVID, we're doing the whole homeschool thing. So I've pretty much lost my entire mind. 
Uh, I've been practicing social work for 25 years. I've worked with folks with HIV and AIDS. I've done hospice. I've worked in um, with veterans and with homeless veterans and in mental health. I've had a private practice. And through all of that, I think the main thing that has stuck with me is just a desire to make a difference. So that's why I'm here with Rachel. I feel like this podcast is going to be a great opportunity for us to discuss some really interesting topics and explore however how other people perceive the world. So let's get to it. What is the Wellness Pie Shop? And what are we going to be asking our guests? Before we ask our guests, we thought we should kind of talk about it ourselves. Yeah, answer answer the questions, our answer the questions. ourselves. Right. So we if we were talking about if we looked at ourselves as a pie, you know, um, we would be made up of a foundation, which is a crust, and then we would be made up of filling, which could be just sort of all the bits and pieces of our lives and those things change all the time, but the foundation essentially stays the same. We make the same kind of crust throughout our lives. And so the ingredients for that crust, we would equate to our foundation or our values of who we are. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Talk about our values or what? So- yeah, we're going to be asking our listeners to think about this themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, so what I wonder is Rachel Brodsky, well, Rachel Paez, nay, Brodsky. Um, <laughs> what are your values? What do you, what makes up the foundation of who you are? Connor and I were actually talking about it this weekend because um, my therapist gave me this idea to make a family crest and the family crest um, is made up of our values as we, you know, begin the chapter of husband and wife and eventually parents. And so we kind of had that discussion of what our individual values are and what our key family values. And I kind of narrowed mine down to communication, um, kind of always being able to express yourself and your truth. Um, Authenticity is a big one for me. Um, Unconditional love and acceptance is a big kind of value of mine that I, I tried to live true to. And then there's this last one that I don't know if I know what it is yet, I don't know if that's a value that is going to come later in my life or if it's this like kind of one thing. I don't know why I chose four because I guess in my crest, there's four slots. (laughs) um, That's why there's only this one last one. And I think we were pondering on it and I think it's really relevant to what we're talking about and that question that we have in there is do do they change over time and what that's kind of brought me to thinking too is maybe this value is the one that comes for the next chapter um and so i haven't thought of that one yet 
but authenticity, communication, and unconditional love are my core right now. So can you tell me a little bit more about the unconditional love piece of that? Because I think that's something that we all crave, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, what does that look like for you? I think it looks like for me as an individual living with that value, it's unconditionally loving myself, regardless of past choices, regardless of future choices, regardless of mistakes that I make, continue to make fear of (laughs) making all the time and being able to love myself unconditionally, being able to love myself without judgment. Um, And then as I you know, took that into being a partner to somebody. It's having a partner that I can love that way. Also having a partner that I love the flaws to, you know, love the mistakes they've made, love what choices they're making at that current moment and without judgment, being able to unconditionally love them. And then taking that further is as a mother and the type of mother I want to be, um, is one where there's no expectation that they must meet to receive worthiness of love from their parents. Um, And just accepting them for all that they are, flaws and all and mistakes and all, and just, it doesn't matter. I still love them and love them without judgment. Awesome. I was gonna, (laughs) I I was thinking of a follow-up question, but then I was like, hmm, I'm not sure. (laughs) Right. I, mean, just, I have follow-up questions. Don't get right, me wrong. There's so I, many. I have, I have, I have, um, you know, and this is not a therapy session and we can go. <laughs> right. I, Easy. I keep my therapist. That's where values come from though. And I think what's interesting is that you said you had knowledge of three values, but there might be this other one. And It's how would you know at what point in your life would it be that you recognize something in your core has changed? How would you know that? I guess I would know it by how I knew the rest of them, which is what am I willing to sacrifice? What am I willing to go through? to achieve that, whatever it is, what am I willing to do? What am I willing to give up to make sure that that is being met? Just like I am all the other ones, just like I am unconditional love and communication and authenticity. I am willing to do so much to make sure that I am living that. Then I imagine there's going to be something else that comes in that is such a priority to uphold, I'm willing to do X, Y, and Z to, to get it. And that's how I think I'll know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I think that's a question I have had for myself. I have, and I assume our listeners will also kind of question. I don't think we ask that enough of ourselves. Mm -hmm. What are my values, right? Because I know that when this came up for me not long ago, it was really hard to say. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've taken the Myers-Briggs. I've taken, you know, I know what my Enneagram 
uh, personality is and all these kinds of things. But, you know, what are my values? And I think before we can really be authentic, we have to know what that is. Mm -hmm. We have to know what makes up that crust. And I think I'm with you as far as I, I really value the ability to communicate and to be understood Uh because I have a real problem in life when I feel misunderstood. That's when I know that I tend to use poor coping skills, (laughs) (laughs) which no longer involve drugs and alcohol. There you go. There you go. So something, but you know, um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of miles of running. Yes. Um, so communication is so key. Being authentic, um, is a value and yet one that I continually strive to be. And this podcast is part of being my authentic self, um, doing, Uh, equine therapy is part of being my authentic self to put myself in a place where I can live my passions. And, um, you know, another value I have is fairness and justice have such a need to ensure that everyone is treated fairly. And I wanted to be a lawyer (laughs) <laughs> really? I, I did. I, I know, right? Well, I have, there's lots of things like you probably didn't know I <clears throat> went door to door selling your um, Electrolux vacuum cleaners either. Nope. Nope. <laughs> that didn't, didn't make a dime. Tell you that right now. Um, <laughs> I was, I went to the library to look up advanced degrees. I had gotten barely my bachelor's in English at UCLA and I was doing technical writing. And I said, this sucks. I thought I wanted to be a writer when I grew up, but that type of writing, not so much. (laughs) It was, it was not, it was, there was no passion in that whatsoever. So I went to the library back in the day before computers. And um, I thought, hmm, what, what would fill me? And I thought I really, and this is before I'd done any therapy, before I'd done any work on myself. And I thought I need something that I'm going to feel good about. And let me look into law because I have a sense of justice. I want people to feel like they're getting a fair shake in life. So maybe if I go into the law, into, into law, I can help people with that. And the more I looked into it and the more I thought about it, I realized this is hopefully not going to offend a bunch of lawyers out there. <laughs> So my friends who are lawyers, I apologize in advance, but I I think they might agree with me is the law is not about justice per se. The law is about the law. It's about precedent. It's about finding the loopholes, whether you're on the prosecutorial side or the, you know, on the defense team. Boy, anyway, it's either way, it's not about justice. And I just couldn't do that because I couldn't represent someone that I knew was a criminal and I couldn't prosecute someone for with flimsy evidence. So neither side of it was gonna work for me. And so that's why I chose, I was looking into, okay, so if I looked into 
social work or psychology or counseling, you know, that's helping people. Um, I didn't feel confident enough to, to go into med school. <laughs> I didn't think I could do chemistry. As a partner of somebody in med school, I don't know how anybody does med school. <laughs> Thank God for doctors, right? God for doctors. Uh, willing to sacrifice everything. It's, I, I want to point out something because, okay, so you had to be what, 18, 19 when this, when this was happening after you're trying to figure out. I was 27, 27. So you went to college late. No, I went to college at 17 and graduated. Took me a very long time. (laughs) I used to tell my mom, she'd say, Dina, when are you going to be finished? I'd go, mom, a quality education takes time. (laughs) That's a statement. Yeah. I finished though. It took me seven years, but I did get my degree, but it was, um, I did not go to back to graduate school till I was 29 years old. Got it. So, um, but at that, so at that age, 27, mm-hmm. 27 being 27 now, I can see how it is. I don't want to say easier, but you're a little bit more confident in maybe what your values are at that time. Mm-hmm. Do you think if you were, just going into college at 17, 18, that you would have chosen kind of the same desires in your career choice? Absolutely not. Because when I was 17 years old, um, I was leaving home and leaving being the parentified child. And all of a sudden I had no responsibility for anyone but myself. And that was, wow, what a revelation that was. And um, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I defaulted to getting my bachelor's in English because I loved writing and my mom was an English major. My grandfather was an English major. My grandfather taught high school English and drama. So it just was easy. And I had no idea. Part of the reason I was in college for so long was because I honestly did not know what I wanted to do with my life. So, you know, I, I remember at the beginning of the year, um, the beginning of the first quarter, all these clubs and associations put up booths all along, they call it Bruin Walk, right? And in Ackerman Union and all this stuff. And you could just sort of peruse different um, clubs and activities. And there was one that was about helping other people. Like, I can't remember the name of it now, but it was um, kind of, you know, given a helping hand to the less fortunate. And I'm like, yeah, that's really cool. And I talked to the, to one of the people manning the station and I said, okay, I want to come, you know, I got the information. I'm going to come to the first meeting goes, yeah, we'll see. I'm like, ouch. But then I didn't show up either. So I knew even then that I, um, I had sort of this idea that that I wanted to help people. I just didn't know how to do that, how to go about it. And I had to get some help for myself before I could help other people. Yeah. So you kind of touched on another question that we had, you know, put on our, on our list of questions for our guests, which is, you know, do values change over Mm -hmm. time? Do they, Mm -hmm. are they something that, 
you carry with you or do they form at different stages? Kind of like what we had said at the beginning that I feel like I have this one value that's just kind of waiting to be created. Um, do you feel like values change over time? You know, I don't think they do. I think they mature. I don't know that they change. Um, and the caveat to that would be, say you were raised in a very uh, fundamental religious household. I'm just using that because it's the easiest example for me to think of at the moment. Um, and growing up, you were taught that these certain things are what are important. And you hit 18, 19 years old, maybe earlier for some, and you realize, wait a minute, what I've been taught isn't how I feel inside. So did your values change or were they just matured? And I guess, I mean, I'm sort of talking this through, but I'm thinking your, your values didn't actually change because they were there and you could, most people can feel that conflict. You can yeah. feel, it's that gut feeling, that instinct. You can feel when something's not right, it's not meshing. Yeah. And that's when you're bumping up against your values. And I know for me, I was raised in a Catholic household and, you know, reading the Bible, I went to Catholic school and I just didn't understand why I had to talk to a priest and confess my sins. He was just a person. Like, <laughs> why can't I just talk to God? You know, or I was told if you desire something strongly enough, God would provide you with your desires. And yet I never felt like that happened. And, um, you know, why did, why did God hate women so much? <laughs> because in the Bible, you know, women are pretty much treated very poorly. Yeah. And again, I'm going to probably raise the ire of some people, but I, you know, it's just That's kind of what our podcast is. <laughs> that is. I mean, you know, look inside yourself and, and see if you disagree and yeah. I'm okay. If you disagree, that's all right. I don't mind. This is my experience. There you go. This is your experience, right? Exactly. And when we have guests on, it will be their experience. Exactly. And I agree with you. I think that I like how you put it. It's like they mature values mature. And when I look back at, you know, growing up in a very, upper class conservative lifestyle, you know, the values of my family, the values of my friends, the values of my, you know, Jewish community were, as I matured, not meshing with me. There were, there were, you know, this idea of social status being a high value and mm. education status being a high value for people. Um, financial status. I don't know if I just said that, but you know, the things that I grew up learning were important as I became my own person, which I would probably say around like nine or 10, when I started having my own ideas around things or would watch something and know if I liked it or not, I think I started to realize that I had something different and I wanted things 
that were different. What was important to me was different than what was important to my mom or my dad or my best friend or their family. And I was told it was being rebellious, mm-hmm. which yes, they were definitely rebellious, reckless behaviors. But I think when I look back on it, it was me trying to fight to live in my values and to live authentically, which I think was a huge one for me as an individual who never looked the same, always, you know, was the first person to pierce my nose in (laughs) eighth grade and always had to buy the fake tattoos from the grocery store that were 50 cents in the little push container. And I just knew I was going to be different in the way that I, I stood out in the world and the fight for that value as a teenager was so difficult to achieve. It was, it was impossible. And I think that as I matured, right, I think part of me as a teenager with authenticity meant to be the complete opposite of what was in my vicinity of understanding. And I think I almost took it to an extreme where it wasn't authentic, but I was trying to achieve authenticity. And then as I grew up and matured, I found my own definition of what that was and who I was. And then that value became an actual value where I think before, I'm not sure if it was a value or just something I was trying to, I was just trying to be something different than what was happening in front of me. Um, And as I matured, it became a value. It almost feels like you were trying on different, different, I want, I'm going to say trying on different values and seeing yes. which one fit. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but I, I wanted to go back to one thing you said, and that was what was important to my family. What was important is importance. Does that equal value? So if I, you know, if status is important, is that equate to your parents' values? So in the instance of my family, something that was important as a value in my family was financial success. Okay. Um, Maybe even more broader, a value was success. And they, to this day, live by that value of success. Mm. And I think... Yeah, I would think importance in some degrees probably would mean their values depending on what that level of importance is. So my family were willing to do anything to achieve success and more importantly, more specifically, financial success. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there was only one way to do that, which is education. Ah, Right. So which also became a value which also became a value, Mm -hmm. Um, the highest level of education, right? Like it was important to name drop. It was important to talk about um, what school you went to, what school you wanted to go to, what you wanted to be. All of those Mm -hmm. things were important because the value of success. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, to answer your question, no, I don't think importance necessarily means value. I think certain importances, important, importances, certain things that are Webster. Important. Yeah. Certain <laughs> things note. that are important l- lead into what the values are. So importance can reflect a value. Yes. Um, 
and I think it's interesting too, because I would love to dig deeper and we, you know, that's, we don't really have the capability of doing that, but going deeper into what is it about um, success? What value really underlies that? Because is, you know, success looks different for everybody. Everybody. Mm -hmm. And so where you, the way that your family defines success may be different than, you know, another. I mean, it's how I, my definition is, yeah, yeah, my definition of success now is much different than their definition of success. And I think, well, hell waking up every day is my, my, right. If I can make my bed, I'm a, I'm a queen, right? Like that's, I've been more successful than I have been in the last five days, but I think we talk about again, another question being what influences the crust, what influences your values that definition, my family's definition of success, my family's definition of a lot of their values came majority from societal values. Right. Right. You know, what and society I, says. what society says is the importance of values. And, um, I, I think that also ties into, you know, like why people are so stressed about what's happening in the world today is like, mm-hmm. what are your values versus what society is telling you is important. And my family, society, society influenced their belief systems and influenced their values. And that was not, I didn't give, I didn't give a crap, right? Like (laughs) that society could tell me to do one thing and I was going to do the other thing. Right. Um, So yeah, I think, I think influencing of values is a culprit for a lot of people not living their values. Because I think, like you said, it was hard for you to even answer that question. And I think, unfortunately, we live in a world where it's a very machine thinking mm-hmm. and it's just follow the, the easier path. I put that in quotations, the easier path or the more done path or, you know, just follow the system. And people wake up one morning and are like, why am I not happy? And they look back and it's because they're not living their values. They're living society's values or their parents' values, their husband's values. And they can't even define their own because they've been influenced all life, all their life. Exactly. And I think that this podcast is hoping, you know, at least my hope is that it can give people pause, help Mm -hmm. people just think for a second, because it is easy to get sucked up and just go down that well-trodden road. Yep. And, uh, never think for yourself. Yeah. And, and you said it exactly. People one day wake up and say, wow, I feel like shit. I don't, I am not happy. And there's a need to take stock to determine. I mean, I'm almost 58 years old and it was just a few weeks ago that I, (laughs) Uh, we don't even need to get into that. Anyway, <laughs> um, it, this is how long it took before somebody honest, like asked me an honest question about yeah. what are your values? Mm-hmm. And I think people can live their whole lives and never really think about it and Absolutely. never consider that. I was going to say, you know, I don't think I would have even thought about the conversation or thought about 
my views as values if, you know, my father hadn't passed away because my father was kind of that perfect example of somebody who woke up one morning and was unhappy and Mm. did something about it. And my dad grew up, I thought I grew up in a conservative household. My father grew up very conservative and he struggled significantly with mental illness. And he thought that the only way to get through life was to if he couldn't be the smartest, he was going to be the hardest working and he was going to mm-hmm. be the one that had financial stability and that was going to be his life. And it meant long hours and not being home with his family and all of this stuff. And when my dad turned about 58, <laughs> he woke up one morning and he was not happy. And I remember asking one of the like later conversations we had together was, you know, advice from a father that I actually wanted advice from. He became kind of that parent that had learned something. And he said to me, the most important thing that you can do in life is to always continue to learn. And what that meant for him was in his later years, taking up every new hobby that he could do, working like half the time he did from home, living on the beach, just living this life that was based in values. And he was the happiest he'd ever been in his life. And my dad got four years of that life. And I look at that and I say to myself, I'm not going to be that person that missed the majority of their life living in their values. And I kind of take that with me of this, this learning mentality of always learning and always trying new things because that's how you grow. And I think he's the perfect example of somebody who didn't, didn't live by their values. And unfortunately he didn't have a long life of living that happy lifestyle. And I think about that often as I and 27 and don't want that to be my story. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, uh, um, your dad lived societal expectations. Absolutely. Where did my, in my opinion, where did my values that I have today come from? Hmm. I don't necessarily think they just popped up in my head and I was like, these, these are my values and this is going to be it. And when I look back at it, um, somebody who I lived very closely with, who I respected and entrusted was my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother was a firecracker. Yeah. Firecracker. And I don't know much about my grandmother's earlier years. There were some issues as I've learned. Um, But as my is time of my grandmother, something that my grandmother was very, was important to her was communicating how she felt Mm -hmm. um, and being her own person. And if I'm going to put my money in a basket, it would be the ones that that is what influenced influenced my choice of values. Your mom, Uh, your grandmother. Was my grandmother and not my parents because my parents didn't have the same values. And I think, um, I didn't, but you know could my- have learned what you didn't want. Exactly. That's you know, what I did and, from my sister. And my grandmother lived with us when I was younger and I spent a lot of time with her. So cute. 
<laughs> I spent a lot of time with her. I did not know any of my grandfathers. Um, mm. I didn't know my mom's dad. He ran away with the secretary when my mother, oh, wow. was, when my mother was 16. Um, and so, of course, that also probably, infl- you know, if I were to ask my mom, did that influence your values? Probably. Okay. Um, just the thought that I had is, is like, if I look back, it's like these these values didn't just pop out of nowhere. And me at, you know, I feel like I came about my values around the age of probably 12, 13, was I starting to play with the idea that my values were different than my family's. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it came from my grandmother. I think it came from, I respected this woman. Um, she lived a life that I, I liked, the way she conducted herself. So she must've done something right. And, uh, I think that I just, I took whatever she did and I kind of brought it with me, which was, you know, my grandmother was very good at being the glue for a lot of relationship Mm. dynamics and a lot of family dynamics. And if you look at the role that I play in a lot of my relationships is I tend to be the glue because I'm a communicator and I, I, I need communication. Um, and yeah, like I said, like she was just a unique woman who um, wore bright, vibrant colors and loved to be in leopard print and was a tap dancer at 85. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, she was the oldest woman at the senior center, but she wasn't a person at the senior center. She was volunteering, serving lunch to the senior Oh, center. well, good for her. So, yeah, she was just always an abnormal um, type of woman. And I think that's where my values probably came that's from. awesome though. That's awesome. This has been a great discussion that we've had today and I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you, Rachel. I'm so excited to do as many episodes as we can and let's move forward. Yeah. All I was going to say is, I mean, I think you said everything perfectly. Like I'm excited for this. I think um, I'm going to learn so much. Like I already feel like I'm stable in my values, but I'm also now like questioning like what I'm going to learn from our guests, from our viewers, from you, from myself in this journey. And that's my most, I love that. Like I love signing up for anything that's going to ask me to question everything. And so I'm just excited. It'll be interesting. And I think we bring something so unique to the table. And I think this podcast is really unique and challenging in all the right ways. I, I totally agree. And I think it goes right with your value of wanting to learn something new every day. Just learning something new. I'm learning everything. That's right. That's right. It's exciting. All right, Rachel, thank you. Um, So that's it for our first week and our first episode. I hope everyone enjoyed it and we'll look forward to seeing you next week when our first guest will be Julie Cannon. So everybody have a good week, stay safe, and make sure you wear your masks out there. Bye-bye.